0: Welcome to AIM High, Cranberry Kingswood's alumni podcast. In this podcast, you'll hear from the voices of students, alumni, staff, and faculty who embody the values of the Cranberry community. This episode is brought to you by alumni.fm, a CK alum podcast production company with a mission to connect people through stories. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Welcome to AIM High. Today with me, we have Kamal Williams, class of 1990. Kamal is from Detroit, Michigan. And he's here to talk to us about his experience at Cranbrook. He was a part of Hub. He was a part of 4A. He went to MSU. But I buy one, hold against you. And he's a Delta now. <laughs> I knew that <laughs> <Yeah>. was coming. <laughs> yeah. So lots to cover in this one. Kamal, it's great to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I really appreciate it. Cool. So how did you hear about Cranbrook? What brought you there?
1: Right before my seventh grade year, there was a young man in my neighborhood by the name of Brian. And he was a Hub student. And he grabbed myself and another young lady who wound up getting to the program. They lived on the same street. My grandmother lived on that street. He pulled us over and said, hey, when you guys get to eighth grade next year, talk to your counselor about getting to Cranbrook because you guys you guys are smart. You should look at me the going there. And he looks at me directly and he says, you can get a scholarship. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't even know what Cranbrook was. I knew that he would leave every summer for four or five weeks at a time. As it turned out, six weeks. And I was like, wow, you know, this is going to help me get into college. Why not?
0: Tell us what HUB is, you know, Horizons Upward Bound.
1: Horizons Upward Bound is a program that was uh, originally uh, started with the Alphabet Soup, but the rest of the uh, program started back, I forget which president it was, where the actual program is Upward Bound, which is a TRIO program. And TRIO programs are all across the country, Upward Bound, Outward Bound, King Chavez Parks, Office of Services for colleges, and uh, give students from underserved communities an opportunity to uh, get services to better their lives through education.
0: Yeah. So that is how you heard about Cranbrook was your first impressions. We were on campus for the first time. It was
1: outrageous. I remember coming in. The first thing we did was we parked in the parking lot, lower parking lot by the gymnasium by Keppel and you walk up that hill and your eyes just start getting bigger. Everybody in my class this is this first time we're there. So all of our eyes this is what you see everybody doing, your, their eyes are just raising. And the biggest saucer is looking from left to right. You pass Keppel. And you see the uh, the music building on the side, and you go up the steps, and the science building is on your left. And then, so you're seeing that going, wow, there's art in there. What building is that? And then you see it's the science building, because the science is on the other opposite end of the building. But on the right hand side, and then you see the academic building, and you see classrooms, and then you say, so, oh, okay, so that's where you go to class. And then you pass, then you get to the as you keep moving forward, then you see the quad on your right hand side. And then they, they direct you up the stairs through the main door of the academic building. And you see that fountain there. You're like, oh, wow, this is outrageous. And you see a building in the corner. You don't quite know what it is. It's just a building there until we when we took tour. You finally, it, it's the uh, cafeteria, the dining hall. And so you go up the stairs and you're and every year. Traditionally, the, the first day is on Father's Day. So you're there for orientation and you're sitting in the auditorium. auditorium And everybody's looking like, wow, this is pretty cool. These chairs are kind of old, but this is pretty cool because you see the names on the wall in there of all the people with the academic problems from the thirties and forties. And you're like, wow, what did they do to get their name up there? And it's all this beautiful wood and you see the stage. And that was my first impression was just shock and awe,
0: quite honestly. Those chairs are old, but they're iconic. (laughs) Yes, they are. Similar experience. I also wondered, how do I get my name on there? But I don't think you can get new names on there anymore.
1: Not in the Upper Wood, only on the plaque outside now.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little too late for that one. But it sounds like that first visit sealed the deal for you. Yes, very much so. Coming
1: in and just saying to myself, I'm going to be a part of this, wow. And it was a thing of, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to do my best, but this is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, Come out. if I remember correctly, you're only there for two years, right? Or was it for the full four years?
1: I spent my last two years of high school at Cranbrook. My first two years was at Mary Red High School on the west side of Detroit.
0: And that's what pushed it to make that transition two years in.
1: When you come to the program, everyone becomes aware what the scholarship is. And if you do well enough academically at your home high school, you're eligible to be a part of the people that they select to come to the school. My first summer there, I was my English teacher was Charlie Shaw. He was a teacher at Cranbrook at the time before he went into administration. And uh, he pulled me to the side on what we had, what we call theme day. And Charlie Shaw says to me, hey, you he looked me dead in the eye. Hey, when you get back to your regular school, take your time, don't rush through anything. And cause I fully expect for you to be here in two years. And I said, wow. That was the second time I'd heard somebody tell me that I was good enough to get a scholarship to come there. It was him and also the gentleman, Brian, who was an uh, older kid in my neighborhood that I best spoke of earlier. And when they just, when we did, went on theme day they uh, right before he spoke to me, they had just announced like eight people to go to Cranbrook that were just won the scholarship. One of which was my roommate for that summer, which is Mark Dudley. And so I wanted to follow Mark Dudley's footsteps. Cause he, I saw, he talked about all summer was, oh, he hope he got the scholarship and he did. Then Mr. Shaw said that he expected me to be there. And so that kind of set me in, a, in a, on a mark towards, Hey, there's something I actually can't achieve.
0: Yeah. Th- I mean, that must've been a game changer and just to have that vote of confidence, right from these people.
1: I would agree because it wasn't that I didn't think that I couldn't do it. just that I didn't see it. There are things that you, you accomplish in life because you can see yourself doing it. It wasn't something that I saw myself doing until they actually verbalized those things for me.
0: With your first day at Cranberry, did you ever feel out of place? Almost immediately. I came in
1: to uh, play football. They had camp on campus and I convinced the coach to let me stay home during camp because I hadn't been home all summer and because I knew I had to move in in September. But I hadn't seen my family, hadn't seen my friends. And so I get there and I'm, and I know my way to the fields, which isn't an issue, but I get, I have to get equipped. So I already got my physical and I get there, turn my physical in and I get my equipment and you don't understand how it is to come out of the back of Keppel and go down the back pathway. So I come down the hill, going around by the lake and you see your teammates out there and they're, everybody's anticipating who you are because they know you're coming. And so I get out there and everybody's, uh, they welcoming you, but it's not, it's a little bit of tension, but it's also welcoming. So I fell out of place in that. My thoughts were, wow, I'm practicing football on the same field that the Lions did once upon a time. <laughs> I'd already played intramurals there a bunch of time in the summertime, but playing football was different because that's where the Lions were. And, uh, they left some equipment there. We had some equipment that they left from back in the day that we were still using. The out of place wasn't the fact that it was different. I'm on this field for different purposes
0: as opposed to playing softball down there, or even
1: when we played touch football.
0: So, yes, a similar experience, being a little out of place, but different ways. So I'm wondering, in that first year and also that second year, where did you find your community? How did you find your community?
1: The community that I had initially was the people I came there with, which was my fellow hub students. That's once the academic year started. But initially, it was just making friends on the football team. People found out that people were literally from all over the country, that were on a team. Some people from out of the country in the dorm. Those are little pockets that you start forming friendships in initially with the football team, of course. Meeting them first person I met was Elgin Cooper because he was in the car with me with uh with Coach Sheely. He picked him up first on our way to practice because I guess he had the same deal from, from Elgin stay home for the summer and uh, meeting new people that. People that I still keep up with to this day. Guys on the team, they're glad that you're there because uh, we're looking at better in terms of wins. Because I came from a winning program. My expectation was to win. Well, years before that, they didn't quite have the wherewithal to get the wins that they wanted. And we did. I have a much better year than once I got there. Uh, so it was a lot of fun in the beginning, getting to meet the new people and finding new friends. But the biggest friend group I had, would, I would definitely would say, were the people who I came there initially with and the other hub students that were already there
0: yeah what's your uh final record for football
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay my freshman year we were five and four my sophomore year we were seven and two my junior okay. at Cranbrook we went five and four where we started off four and oh and uh we kind of had a slide after we lost to avondale where we had, i think that we won that game we probably would have went eight one nine and oh and made the state playoffs but a lot of the guys you could tell they weren't used to that level of expectations because once we lost that game they were sort of like uh the season's over where i'm trying to get them to understand hey we still got a lot to play for which was just disconnect in terms of the way they looked at football they still want to win just knowing and learning how to win was something that they didn't know in my senior year we went four and five which was a disappointment but we did win homecoming and i was able to lead the team to victory on <laughs> homecoming
0: that That is the big one, right? <laughs> one of the yes. big ones. So that's interesting. For you, where do you think that difference in mentality, you know, that resilience comes from?
1: I've played sports since I was eight or nine years old, whether it was baseball or football. It was, kid okay, now this one, We gonna, what are we going to learn from this game? And what, how we going to take this learned experience and do better in the next game? Where, in a lot of ways, those kids weren't used to that kind of adversity because I wouldn't say it was a losing mindset, but it was, just wasn't an expectation of, being overly successful. They wanted to win, but mm. they were successful probably in other sports, but in football, they weren't used to putting that extra effort in. And, uh, sure, mean much to win? I hope I don't make anybody mad by saying that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not calling out any names.
1: No, that, that, because these are still my team, they're still my friends. Yeah. But it was different. And I could tell for them in yeah. terms of their expectations of winning and losing and what winning was before what they were used to and what we are trying to achieve and learning how to win is not an easy thing. What do you mean? If you have the expectation for me is going into any competition, whether I I really don't know if I can feel to win, I'm still going to think I'm going to win that game. I can tell for a lot of them where it was like, we're used to losing to this team. So we're probably going to lose again. That's not my mentality. My mentality is that was last year. This is this year. This is this game. You're good. You want to beat me? Show me. But in the meantime, I'm going to do my best to beat you. I'm not you're not going to get anything. So a lot of that Mentality wasn't quite there.
0: You know, what was the last thing you uh, connected with your football teammates? I like Elgin. I
1: mentioned before, he w- I saw him do a reunion weekend. Let's see here. Eric Mackus, he played football junior year with us. I saw him at a reunion weekend. A lot of the 92s were there that were uh, sophomores, a couple more varsity, a lot more JD. I got to see a lot of them. In terms of my actual classmates from that year, football players, I haven't quite seen a bunch of them in a while, but like COVID messed up our 30 rings. I did see a lot of them at the, uh, the 20 year before then. So, uh, like, uh, Aaron Greenstone, I did talk to him about a year ago. I haven't talked to Latonsky in a while, which I'm glad to say that I'm gonna make it a, a, a good bet to go out and reach out to a bunch of them.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned reunion. So was that reunion this year? And uh, that's where I first saw you in person at the uh, 4A event. Tell me a little bit about what 4A means to you and a little bit about that event.
1: The 4A is the African American Awareness Association. It was uh, formed two years before I got to Cranbrook. There's a little bit of discussion of who actually was the beginning of who actually started it. So I won't get into that part of it. (laughs) I just know that by June year I got there, my president was April Anderson. And she did a phenomenal job of leading us. He's doing good and bad because every uh, group has, there are times where things are storming, and she led us through. But that year, we were able to get a, uh, a bust of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King made. It's supposed to still be in the math hallway. I, get a, I didn't get a chance to check. The city was there this year, but that's where it's supposed to be. And uh, my senior year, I was able to galvanize uh, everyone together. and We had t-shirts made, which we were able to duplicate for this year's reunion. The 4A means a lot to me. We were of uh, 757 80 students. We were barely, the African American population was about 50 of us. So it wasn't a lot of us to, that were there together. So we were able to, as best as possible, have lunch together, breakfast, dinner, hang out in the quad together, the jock table, the camaraderie we had when you have a shared experience of. Uh, being an African American and being in a place like Cranbrook, where it's a little bit different, where you're at often times uh, not always 100% accepted, and that's just to be plain and true about that. It's a, a society where a high society school, and oftentimes high society school come from people who have high society money and generational long term wealth. In the African American community isn't always very strong, so you had a lot of there were kids there that did actually pay their way, but there were skilled with students who were scholarship you know, and still were bound, and other means that they were there, and uh, for us still still make sure we were there together to make sure that we had things from our perspective look at that, Martin Luther King Day and our Black History Month program, and make sure those things were emphasized to do our best, I should say, to make sure those things were emphasized on
0: campus. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what went to organizing this event reunion, because I, I understand it's the first time it was ever done.
1: First time we've ever had one on campus. Mm-hmm. We've had them before. Normally, every year there's some type of gathering of African American students off campus that within the three year swing, three to four year swing of reunion that you'll see. Say, so, my class is 90, so like 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. Those people know each other from one end of the spectrum to the other. So, there's normally a get together where like Saturday evening they'll say, Okay, we all hung out here. We may hang out with our class a little bit, but hey, where are we going to go? It was always one of those things or People, when we were together on an email listing or text listing, say, hey, who's in town Friday night? And what we were doing, we would do that a lot of times. And about 15, 20 years ago, we did actually have a gathering at uh, Carmen Bell's house. Her parents allowed us to come there. We A lot of the people who were there just this past weekend were at her house originally, when we got together for the first gathering. But it's the first gathering on campus. And uh, like in the uh, true tradition of Tom Jordan, we was a party with a purpose. Our purpose was to recognize the fact that uh, we've been going strong on campus for many, many years. And we previewed the history of African-American students on campus from the first student up through to through today, the who's there now. And uh, recognize the past presence of not only the 4A, but the other groups that were there before that. 4A was not the first group. There were other ones who were formed along the way who, uh, for whatever reason, didn't last. But 4A has been on campus since 86. and They're going strong. And the. The generation that's holding it down now, they're together. And I'm very enthused to see them there and doing what they're doing.
0: Yeah. What would you say is the your vision for the future of 4A and, and some of the big goals coming up ahead?
1: From the, my perspective, I would like to see us continue to try and have a gathering every year. I know that this year was the purpose of saying, hey, big recognition. I would like to see it as on campus every year, where it's not necessarily something we would have to have. A program would just, just like every other group has a gathering and the, now they we're able to have a cocktail gathering. I'd like to see that happen every year. That would be my vision for that aspect of it. Also as alumni, continue to be involved with the kids and, and mentor them, and no matter where we are in the country, like we're meeting now by uh, technical, logical means, meet with them and let them know that, hey, we're here, we've been with you, ben. we understand what you're going through and we're here for you. If we, at some point, I'd like to set up a scholarship for them, so when they go out to college, they have a book scholarship, whether you're, they're from traditional means, by your parents paying for you, or if you're from a scholarship means. It doesn't matter. We want to be able to advance you moving forward academically, because at the end of the day, we want to see you continue to be able to take care of your family with
0: a generational wealth. Thinking back, and, and I am asking this question also a way to see what advice you have for current students and future students. But if you could give advice to your younger self back in the Cranberg days, what would you tell them?
1: Be more fearless, be a lot more fearless. You feel like something's wrong. Speak up a little bit more. I did speak up, but there's some things I could have been a bit more vocal on. And understand that uh, the greasy will, uh, will gets the attention. The squeaky will gets the grease, I should say. And um, be fearless, just go out and don't hold back. Go for what you want and know that uh, you, not only that at Cranbrook, but I thought it's going to be in life. You're going to have to go out and make sacrifices and speak up and understand that. Everybody's not going to know what you have to say. But if you don't say it, things won't change.
0: What's well, a recent event that comes to your mind where, yes, you've been practicing this be fearless aspect?
1: I had my job. I've currently uh, been moving up the ladder in the management area. And, uh, and those who, I've, I paid attention, those who are, who've are been moving forward are those who've been the ones who speak up and say what's on their mind. Some of it's, in my opinion, a little on the asinine side, but <laughs> their, their feelings are in their feelings. And uh, that has allowed them to uh, advance. Imitation is a serious form of flattery. So I will take a little bit of page out of what they're doing and uh, help uh, advance myself as well.
0: So you're right now at Delta. Do you ever think you would be there?
1: I never in my mind thought I would be working for Delta Airlines. A good friend of mine, uh, he was a, a flight attendant, but he's also a teacher now, Kyle Melton. He would always tell me about his days as a flight attendant. And my thought was to be a flight attendant. I never thought I would. Thought at some point, down the line, retire from teaching, become a flight attendant, get to see more of the world that way, and uh, retire and travel with my family that way. I never thought that I would be nine years at Delta Airlines. Never mind the streams. but I thought I would be here. I do love what I do. I love work, going to work daily. Some days I'll challenge others as always. But this is a time of life I didn't expect to be, but it's flourishing because of the choice I did make to uh, accept the fact that I should step out and take a chance to come here.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned just a little bit right there. When, uh, what years were you a teacher? What did you teach?
1: I taught physical education and exercise science. My degree is in physical education and exercise science with a minor in English. I taught in Lansing School District. I was tenured there. I was tenured in Detroit Public Schools. I was tenured in Oak Park Public Schools. I've also taught down here in Texas. I substituted in Crowley as well as in Burville schools before I was hired on and, at, at Delta. I was working towards being certified here in the state of Texas, where I uh, possibly would have had a full time job. Not not possibly, but it was a good chance because I was being recruited in, in Burville at a school district at a Halton High School. But the uh, Delta opportunity came along first, and it was an uh, opportunity that's going to happen in the fall as opposed to full time insurance now i think i need to take this insurance and <laughs> go over here and see what happens and it, it's worked out i'm still here
0: yeah for when you were um when you were a teacher and preparing to be a teacher was there some influence from your days at cranbrook
1: most definitely my teacher days were influenced by charlie shaw english that's it being my minor of kenner's last first name was David. he's a math teacher there there were two math teachers that i had three actually mr schnitz was a big influence in terms of how he kept humor as the forefront of his teaching style. And you didn't really realize you were learning so much because of all the, all the jokes that he told along the way. Let's see here, Dr. Raw, let's see here, Miss Lebo, she was Mr. Mr. Lebo. I don't think they were there once I got to Cranbrook, but they were there part of our bound program. Those were, uh, if was at Cranbrook, there are plenty more before that. Ms. Lindsay, Miss Wales, Miss Miss Cobb, Miss Coleman. These were my elementary school teachers, Ms. Rank middle school, Ms. Greenwall. Mr. Manny Bogart, let's see here, Mr. McCastle, Mr. Malone, those middle school teachers, high school Ed Murray Wright, those names, Coach Moore, of course, very influential, which, which was my first head coach in high school. Those names don't come to me quite as fast, but those, It's the good, once you get older, you'll understand the names further away, are a lot easier to remember than the ones that
0: are closer to you. Interesting. Yeah, they were rolling off the tongue. It's like a shout out for all those teachers. <laughs> Yes. But that's, to me, it seems like, yes, there's such a heavy influence with education, definitely this mentorship aspect, and it feels like it all ties into how you stay engaged with Cramer today with wanting to mentor current students.
1: I uh, actually will be uh, spending a little bit more time on campus. I have recently been uh, named as a member of the Board of Governors. Oh, congratulations. And uh, I'm a Cranbrook, part of the Cranbrook School Board of Governors as the Hub positional governor position. I recently accepted that. So this is, in a lot of ways, an announcement. The actual announcement hasn't come out yet, but the uh, I did speak to them and make sure that it was okay. I speak about it. I'm uh, very excited about that. There's meetings that I'll be attending. There's uh, functions that I'll be expected to be at on campus, like graduation, and do my best to make it back for homecoming and things like that. And so it's a grand opportunity to uh, be seen and to be and let that example for the students that are there, let them know, hey. Here from Detroit, who had no idea he would ever be here, is here. So, no matter where you're from, you can do it. Yeah. We're here to support you mentally and physically. You need a phone call, you need to make a phone call I'm here. So, I'm hoping that they understand that. And that's something I want to convey to
0: all of them. Yeah, that's a powerful message. And I personally look very forward to what's coming up with you on the Board of Governors. So, I'm excited for that, as I'm sure you are as well.
1: I'm really excited. I was doing right after the uh, foray gathering. I met with the new overbound, right overbound director. She's very phenomenal. I was glad that she asked me to do it before she could barely ask, ask me. I was like, sure, I'll do it. And she could barely <laughs> get the question out of her mouth. And I said, yes, so I'm very excited about that.
0: Amazing, amazing. Kamal, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Mr. Lee. Thank you so much for thinking of
1: having me on here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Glad to be here. And as always, aim
0: hi. Aim hi. This has been AIM High, Cranmer Kingswood's alumni podcast. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you could take a few seconds to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. This helps a lot in getting the word out and making the podcast easier to find. For any feedback or guest requests, please send an email to robert at alumni.fm. Thank you so much for listening and catch you soon.